So I do think that is validating because we, yeah, we try to tell people, you know, rather than trying to like build a fortress and build a wall that protects your relationship from threats on the outside, fortify it from the inside. Because mm-hmm. that's Love actually that. where the threats come from at the end of the day. Totally. Yeah, and I love that it came from this study that didn't have any agenda of being non-monogamous or anything like that. Like, you know, if we had just came to that conclusion, people would go, yeah, well, of course they're going to think that. And I think that is really cool and validating that even looking at this study, which didn't have that viewpoint going in, it's like, yeah, look, it's right there in the data. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. So whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're putting on our overalls, grabbing our spanners and socket wrenches, and sliding up under this relationship to do some work on it. That's right. We're talking about relationship maintenance today. What can we do to ensure that our relationships are as positive and fulfilling as possible for everyone involved? What kinds of maintenance are the most beneficial? We're discussing all of this and more on today's episode. That was surprisingly sexy. That caught me off guard. Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's not the reaction I expected. (laughs) Wow. I expected mockery for my silly metaphors. Maybe just because it was you. Oh, that's (laughs) sweet. No, I was mocking you. I was like putting on my overalls and and sliding under the relationship. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) I appreciated that. Just getting all greasy. Got those calluses on your hands. Yeah, Yeah. good old-fashioned relationship maintenance, baby. Woo! Oh, yeah. Speaking of, what do you think about that term? What comes to mind? Radar. Like, that's like our big big catch-all. That's our bit. That's our thing. That's the only thing we got. (laughs) Yeah, our big catch-all for relationship maintenance. Yeah, radar. Yeah, what else comes to mind? Also, what comes to mind to me is the idea of, especially if you have multiple partners, of being sure you're putting in some effort into all of them and not just kind of letting one of them fall to the wayside when you're not with that person or something, especially if it's long distance Mm. that comes to mind too. So I think that so many of us kind of get into a relationship with a person and expect that they're just going to stay that way for the majority of the relationship or for the rest of the time the two of you are together. And it's important to kind of see and figure out and also like ask about ways in which maybe they've updated themselves and their lives and their goals and ambitions. So I think that should be a part of regularly scheduled relationship maintenance too. Wow. Yeah, yeah, the two of you have some very thoughtful, healthy-sounding associations. Well, we better after doing this podcast for eight years. I guess that's, that's, yeah, there's a little bit of some bias there. But, you know, when I was pulling this episode together and I was first thinking about this topic, a lot of stuff came to mind for me. First of all, maintenance sex came to mind for me, which we're going to be talking about a little bit Mm. later, actually probably in our bonus, thinking about high maintenance versus a low maintenance relationship, high maintenance versus low maintenance people, which I thought was interesting. And I did specifically choose not to go down that particular rabbit hole because I do think that high maintenance, low maintenance people slash relationships 
it tends to be a little gendered of who we think mm. are high maintenance people versus low maintenance people. And I just really couldn't find anything actually helpful there. And I just kind of came to the conclusion, I think maybe this is just not a helpful concept. But yeah, I think it also tends to be associated with kind of associating value with being high or low maintenance and, mm. and maybe doesn't really, yeah, isn't as useful a way to actually talk about real human beings and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But the main inspiration for this episode was a journal article that I came across last, sometime last year. I was out there trying to figure out, like, have there been any studies on any kind of relationship maintenance process check-in similar to a radar? I mean, that was what it was. I was trying to find, like, is there, has there been any research on anything vaguely radar-esque? And <laughs> I stumbled on this 2017 review study that was published in the Journal of Family Theory and Review. And it's titled Relationship Maintenance, colon, A Review of Research on Romantic Relationships. So this article is, like it says on the tin, it's a review of the existing literature and studies that have been done on relationship maintenance behaviors, at least everything that existed up until 2017. And these researchers culled information from 1,149 different published studies on relationship. Yes. Good God, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of information. And so that's why it's going to make the main basis of our episode today. Basically, the authors did like the multi-amory job for us, which is like looking at all the different resources and studies and evidence and then like organizing it and culling it together and, and making it into a nice little cohesive framework or cohesive package. So good job, Ogolski et al. And all of your supporting <laughs> researchers who pulled all this together because there's some really, really fascinating information here. Yeah, that's a ton of information, my goodness. Yes. Well, yeah. to start us off, let's talk about some basic definitions. So researchers use the term relationship maintenance to refer to activities and behaviors that people use to preserve their romantic relationships. That is fairly self-explanatory. But there are many different theories as to why people even want to preserve their relationship at all. And that's interesting to me because, yeah, when you say preserve, kind of going back to what I was saying before, like, are you preserving the idea of the relationship that you once had? Or are you cultivating and manifesting the relationship that you want to have and that you do have? Oh, well, we will get to that. We will answer your question. How exciting. We will answer your question anon, Emily. Alrighty. Well, let's talk about those different theories that, that, you know, people have on why they want to have any relationship maintenance at all. So there's the initial evolutionary psychology theory explanation about things like mate retention. Like you want to, again, as I said, preserve the mate that you have and continue to procreate with them, perhaps something along those lines. Uh, Resource acquisition, things like keeping the resources that you have and maintaining them and like keeping a household, for example, and that might be easier to do if you have a mate. Yeah, there's there's basically that's kind of the gist of it is the idea of like, oh, if we have behaviors that encourage us to maintain an ongoing connection with another human being, that means that increases our likelihood that we're going to be able to acquire and hold on and to keep resources. Stuff. <laughs> keep our stuff. 
usually our food at the very least. And that means if we have food, then we're more likely to survive. Therefore, it's in our best interest. And to, have more babies. And for those and have babies more babies, to survive, all that all, stuff, all that you know, whole thing. Yeah. That whole, yeah. yeah. It's even yeah. evolutionary psychology. Exactly. And then something we talked about a lot on many different episodes of this podcast is attachment theory explanation or just attachment theory in general. So we form these impressions and these bonds and these needs as a young person with our parents. And that really extends into our adult relationships and how we kind of view the world and how we view relationships in general, and then how we are either attached or not attached to people, things like that. So there is also kind of a maintenance of moving into a more secure attachment away from those dismissive or anxious attachment, things like that, into a more secure, lasting relationship with your partner. And then we have our theories. So the multi-amory theory is what Dedeker called it. So human beings just, you know, we like staying connected to other human beings and we like having healthy relationships because it produces goodness and joy and happiness and all of those things are really important to maintaining a healthy relationship. And who doesn't want that? I want that. It hasn't, hasn't been extensively and empirically studied, but it's just kind of more of the, don't worry <laughs> about it so much. you think. <laughs> no, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is a little bit of that. Like, isn't it okay for us just to, to want this thing because we want to have healthy, good relationships and be good to people yes. and be good to ourselves? Like, do we need to make it about, you know, resource hoarding to have more children or, you know, the fact that we are scared of being abandoned by our parents or something like maybe all those are true. Maybe they have parts to them that are true. But at the end of the day, I think all of us get like, if you want to maintain a relationship, you, you get that you just do. You, you just want to maintain that and you want it to be good, right? You want it to yeah. be a quality relationship. And so some scholars theorize that relationship maintenance behaviors are for the purpose of keeping it in one particular state. Kind of like you were talking about, Emily, of maybe your partner not changing, or at least the configuration of the relationship not changing, something like that. And then others think that these relationship maintenance behaviors are for the purpose of keeping a relationship progressing and growing in a satisfactory direction. And the authors of this particular meta-analysis of all these studies are like, ¿Por qué no los dos? Why can't we have both? <laughs> so they divide the purpose of relationship maintenance into two broad categories that rather than being those two categories, they put them into categories of one, threat mitigation, and two, relationship enhancement. So let's just talk about the impressions that that terminology leaves on us without going into what it actually means. <laughs> Keeping away from threats and possible bad things in your relationship and then making your relationship better. Yeah. yeah. Or, or do yeah. you mean like threats, like threats from the outside, like other that's people? That's the question, isn't it? That is the question. Uh. That's, the, that's what comes to mind for me as soon as I hear mm. threat mitigation in the context of talking about relationships. The first thing I'm thinking of is pretty classic like toxic monogamy culture i need to Slash preserve the relationship maybe, psych. maybe some evo psych stuff like mm -hmm. yeah I, I just need to make sure that there's no interlopers who could possibly think about stealing my mate totes yeah yeah and Which, relationship yeah, enhancement kind of i mean there's probably pills for that or something right <laughs> like seems, male enhancement seems easy. Mm. <laughs> 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 well let's, so, let's talk about what they really are though yeah so 
threat mitigation, they connect more to that purpose of of trying to keep the relationship in a particular state of safety and security. And then they tie relationship enhancement to that purpose of wanting the relationship to feel better, to get better, to progress, and to grow as well. So they they kind of, I don't want to say subdivide into other categories because it's more like these things form a, almost if you imagine like a like an XY axis and like four quadrants. That's kind of more the way that I'm thinking about dividing these, that it's like on the one side, you have threat mitigation behaviors and relationship enhancement behaviors. And then on the other axis, you have individual behaviors and interactive behaviors. So as in individual behaviors are the stuff that you do internally, your internal processing, your internal reflecting and thinking that you do on your own about the relationship. And then there's interactive behaviors, and that's all the stuff that happens externally. So the external processing you do with your partner, the reflecting and discussing that the two of you do together, or the actions that you take with your partner. And so Mm. these kind of four factors combine and interact with each other. And this is the framework that, that these particular authors came up with for understanding this huge wealth of information about all the different kind of relationship maintenance behaviors and strategies that have been observed in human beings. Yeah. So we're going to go through these four different quadrants, as Dedeker said, of relationship maintenance strategies, which is individual threat mitigation, and then interactive threat mitigation, and then individual relationship enhancement, and then interactive relationship enhancement. And Dedeker wrote this. I'm going to read it because it sounds great. And don't trip, chocolate chip. We're going to be summarizing these into nice, easy, pithy, tweetable takeaways. So don't tweetable stress. Yes. Yes. So this can be a lot of information. I mean, that's very exciting to me. When I found this study last year, I was like, you know, just like (laughs) drooling over all the information here. But I want to encourage people listening. Don't get super hung up on it. I think this is a lot of good ideas and really good actual stuff to apply to your relationship. But we're also going to be trying to just kind of sum them up and, you know, sum up kind of some some essential principles or essential tenets that are the important takeaways as far as the stuff that you can do that can actually really help maintain your relationship over time. So with that said, the first category we're going to look at is, you know, individual behaviors that have to do with threat mitigation, those kind of maintenance behaviors. So I'm going to start out with a little bit of a doozy and a little bit of a controversial one uh, because what they found, and again, reminding people that this is individual, so it's internal. This is kind of the internal threat mitigation that you're doing can include something like what's known as a derogation of alternatives or minimizing how attractive other people are other than your partner. So as in you have kind of this narrative in your head that like your partner is the most attractive or the most fit for you and other people are not as attractive. And now of course as soon as we say that all everybody in the you know audience who's non-monogamous is like what are you talking about? That's the well, whole point. Nah. The whole <laughs> point of this is that we find other people attractive. And yes, I'm going to address that in just a second. So basically studies have found that you can force this, you can kind of force yourself to think other people are off limits and no good and only my partner is the one for me. And that can actually backfire and create this sort of forbidden fruit kind of attraction 
you know, which I think makes a lot of sense. It's why people find affairs to be very sexy and thrilling and exciting, uh, because it does create that sense of this thing that I've told myself that I can't have and that I shouldn't have because it's inferior, but I'm going to have it anyway, because we also associate guilt and pleasure. We've talked about that on this podcast before as well. But they found that if people were not necessarily forcing it, downplaying the attractiveness of others was associated with feeling higher levels of commitment, love, a stronger relationship identity, and a more secure attachment. And so, yes, of course, all of us non-monogamous folks are like, what is that about? You know, is that, is this kind of toxic monogamy culture, that kind of bias seeping into studies, or is there something else here? And I do have a take on this. Because yeah, I personally, hot take. Hot my take. hot take, I don't disagree with this because I think that there can be a distinction between I find people other than my partner attractive and the feeling of I find people other than my partner attractive to the point that I'm ready to dump my partner for someone else, you know, to the point where I'm negatively comparing my partner to other people. And that means that now I have a bias for only seeing negative stuff that my partner does. And therefore, I'm constantly huh. fantasizing about how much better somebody else could be. And that kind of takes me out of the relationship. That's the way that I, I square it for myself. I could also see this being related to the... I think maybe the thing that comes from the toxic monogamy culture or like the serial monogamy culture is this idea of I'm looking around not just to do I find this person, this other person interesting or attractive, but would this person be attainable and would they be a trade up from what I have? And I think mm. that's where the like toxic part of monogamy culture comes. And I could see this idea of, I guess, at least getting out of that mindset of of rather than kind of constantly trying to compare of like would they be an upgrade from what i have that that oh, whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous would would be good to to you know move away from that sort of way of like transactionally looking at your partners i guess yeah so so i think that's the thing is i i think that this actually still applies even if you're non-monogamous it's just in a slightly different way you know for mm, me i think yeah. it's getting away from again like that phone upgrade mentality getting away from that upgrade of like <laughs> your partner's the next iPhone the next iPhone wow. you know yes but but like I think toxic serial monogamy culture really encourages people to think uh, oh, that sure. way oh sure yeah right? this guy yeah. over here has a better camera and <laughs> also <laughs> better battery life so. better security issues security I've heard as well in this latest update yeah no when we see like uh, celebrities and and say like oh wow like Ben Affleck is really dating up because he's with Jennifer Lopez right now or something along those lines you know it, i mean yeah, the terminology we, is very much oh yeah it's very yeah. in our yeah. culture yeah absolutely so i wow. do think that like you can feel attract obviously like if you're not monogamous you feel attraction to other people other than your partner emotional romantic sexual attraction but i do think that if you're in that mentality of i could find someone better than what i have currently now then then that could be a problem. And I think minimizing that kind of thinking probably helps with relationship maintenance. So that's my hot take on it. So now let's move on to kind of the total flip side of this in a way, which is the idealization of partners, which I feel like happens so much early on in a relationship. And maybe it can be with those maintenance moments, but especially I think even in non-monogamy, 
NRE like makes us in so many ways idealize our new partner and like put them on this pedestal and freak out just because they exist. And oh my God, they're the best thing I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, there's this positive exaggeration of your partner's qualities. Like you're looking at everything through rose tinted glasses or a positive exaggeration of your perception of the relationship as well as your future with this partner. My God, have I done this so many times? Like, I'm going to marry this person like two seconds after meeting them or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, this guy's the one or whatever. Like, I did that all the time when I was in high school and college. And still, even when I was non-monogamous, I think that I, I idealized like what the future would hold for these people that came into my life. But I think that what the research is finding is if you can do that or hang on to some of that, even when the NRE is no longer there, that Mm. is going to help with maintaining the relationship over time. That makes sense. Even if, I don't know, there's there's a potential rigidity in that that I find to be maybe a little scary, like like a lack of going with the flow, like whatever the relationship takes you. But I guess it can also especially in, I don't know, in some relationships, that's an exciting and good thing to do and idealizing everything that you're having with that person. Yeah, I think what it brings up for me, at least kind of looking at what the research is talking about here, that they're not talking as much about, I guess, just the future of what you think is going to come and not being flexible about that, but more having an optimistic view Mm. of that and then also having like this slightly biased toward thinking they're greater than they are kind of attitude towards your partner and the thing that this brings up for me though because it also brought up some feelings of caution to me is just worrying about getting into that territory of relationship advice that completely ignores the idea that maybe this relationship isn't a good one or maybe your partner Mm. isn't good for you and instead i'm just going to sort of be like, I'm failing if I'm not somehow blindly seeing past all of their faults. And I don't think that's what the research is saying you should do. But I do feel like when taken without that caveat, it it can get into that territory, you know? Yeah, definitely. And of course, on the show, we're always encouraging people to pay attention to red flags and do whatever you need to do to have a reality check, especially if you're an NRE and it's okay to break up. I think for me, this is really helpful to know because I think about this on the opposite side, which is I think that I'm someone who's predisposed to think about things very negatively (laughs) and to notice false and imperfections (laughs) because Uh that's who I am. And so I think about this on the opposite side of like, even in a good relationship, if you're predisposed to be like paying attention to negative things, that's not going to be helpful for maintaining your relationship Mm. in the long run. And so I do think that there is something to be said about almost kind of training yourself to have that bias towards your partner of noticing their positive qualities, their positive attributes, the positive things that they do. It feels like what you're saying is that there needs to be a middle ground between what I'm predisposed to do and what you're predisposed to do. And perhaps like that's the ideal thing. Like there's an optimal level of idealization. And when you have too much or too little, it just creates negative effects all around. Yeah, yeah, of course. So as we talk about a lot on this show, this idea of assuming positive intent with your partner, that's something that I've had to get good at over the last few years. Instead of just thinking like, oh, whatever they said was triggering and they mean, you know, malfeasance or something towards me, 
instead you're assuming that they are coming to you with love and with the best of intentions, even if it's challenging for you in the moment. Uh, the Gottmans call this positive sentiment override. I love that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so it is that. It's basically this idea that like my positive sentiments about my partner are more likely to override my negative sentiments. And again, that yeah. doesn't mean that they could commit murder and I don't care, or they could just totally abuse me and I don't care. It's more about these like day to day conflicts or day to day annoyances that I can essentially give myself a little bit more of that bias to yeah. to you know give my partner the out or give them the benefit of the doubt or maybe attribute a more positive intent to their actions or to their words. Yeah, that's lovely. So the big takeaway here with this whole what is this? This is individual threat mitigation mitigation maintenance strategies that's a mouthful. <laughs> so the takeaway with that but this is, is this is yes. everyone get out your phones. This is the tweet. There, this there is, it is the tweetable Hashtag. (laughs) No, not not hashtag, but yeah. So this is the tweet. Think good thoughts about your partner. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Just the simplest version of it. I checked, and that's only 75 characters, including punctuation. No problem. So you could either put a ton of hashtags in after that, (laughs) or you could clarify it a little bit. Like, if you think that they deserve it, and if not, get out of the relationship. <laughs> oh my God. No, I mean, seriously. <laughs> wow. It's like that whole, like, give them the benefit of the doubt, but not if they keep being shitty and this is actually a bad situation, right. in mm. which case, just GTFO, please. Got it. So there's probably room for that in a tweet. Maybe, maybe I should have started out with a blanket caveat is that I'm not encouraging <laughs> anyone to be employing relationship maintenance strategies to a shitty relationship or an abusive relationship. Hmm. I think that's the general caveat with all of multi-amory. With all of these that we're going through, I'm assuming that this is a relationship that you want to stay in and it's good for you. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's that's an important part. And if... Yeah. And if you or your partner don't want to do this because you don't want the relationship to work, then just get out now instead of trying these techniques. Okay. Great. So that was your tweet. Think good thoughts about Mm -hmm. your partner. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Section two, quadrant two. This is interactive threat mitigation maintenance strategies. So this so is when you're working are, together yes. to mitigate threats to the relationship. Not now, this just is internal, everyone listening but external. At, that's the question, right? So everyone at home is kind of squinting their eyes right now being like, where are you going with this? And the first category within this quadrant is conflict management. And there's a lot of different strategies that go into conflict management. There's a lot. We won't go into all of these in detail right now, but like multi-amory episode 210 about take the fight out of your fights and multi-amory 275 on demon dance battles. I would say also the episode on repair shop would be another good one that could go in this category. And basically the authors of the study highlight the various types of accommodation or how to respond constructively rather than destructively in moments of conflict or disagreement. So, for example, you know, voice is one of them. So basically, what do you say? You know, what do you say and how do you say it? Are you doing it in a way that's centering relationship improvement rather than tearing the other person down or tearing down the connection and and attempts at repair like the repair shop through communication that way? Another category of this is loyalty, which they described as waiting in hope for the relationship to change. Essentially, I would say maybe another way to talk about that would just be kind of 
being willing to stick through the process while it's improving rather than this kind of sounds very passive to just say like wait and hope that it changes but more like being willing to wait and be part of that process and that those two contrast with exit and neglect which are both more destructive ways of approaching that right with exit being kind of the withdrawing disengaging maybe stonewalling or or even just you know, leaving whenever things get difficult or, you know, neglect, which would be just kind of not giving a shit about the relationship, like not not doing anything to keep your side of the street clean, as it were. Yeah. So all this stuff under conflict management, again, it's the stuff that we do together to help maintain the relationship, which involves, I think, you know, very much the spirit of this show, which is like turning conflict into something that's productive mm-hmm. and constructive rather than just destructive. Mm-hmm. And related to that, another strategy that they found was forgiveness. So as in both partners working together to forgo condemning each other or getting revenge on each other, even in situations where it feels like that response is justified, you know, such as situations where someone's broken trust or some kind of harm has been done. But they also found that self-forgiveness as well within a relationship influences both the relationship satisfaction of the person who was hurt and also the person who did the hurting. Now, this is a really, yeah, this is a really tricky topic because I, I think that in our cultural zeitgeist right now, there's not a lot of value placed on forgiveness in general. I think we have a lot of negative associations with, oh, forgiveness means giving someone a pass. It means we're not holding someone accountable. And I think in this case, in a relationship that is good for you and that you want to continue it's, the, it's, I mean, this is like the opposite of like holding a grudge, right? It's like the opposite of just telling up all the things that your partner has done wrong and holding on to those for the rest of your lives, you know? And so forgiveness, however that means to you, hopefully it doesn't mean necessarily just like giving somebody a pass. It seems like this is actually a really important strategy for maintaining your relationship over time. Yeah, it's such a, we should maybe do a whole episode on that forgiveness. kind of idea we should yeah. I, I did i did look in our back catalog and we touched on it when you did your most recent like apology like you're giving and receiving apologies mm-hmm. episode right. but like we touched on forgiveness but we haven't done an entire episode so i yeah. to go I'm ahead and put that on our list good yeah i think something about the that the difference between sort of holding someone accountable and not forgiving them that that you can forgive someone and also hold them accountable at the same time i think would be a really good thing to to talk about i think that'd be a good one for this but yeah absolutely it's like this is where you can get into that situation where you just continually resent someone for something in the past like you resent your partner for something in the past and no matter what they do or what you do you never move past that and that's yeah. you know i've i've been there mm-hmm. and it's not a happy place to be you know, that's it's pretty miserable for both of you. Absolutely. So another strategy is sacrifice. And there are positive... Ritual sacrifices. And- that's good. <laughs> yeah. good no, we work no, together. Like personal sacrifice. find little guinea pig and build oh. an altar. <gasps> Stop talking, okay? <laughs> no, we're not going there at all. Not a guinea pig. Okay. <laughs> There are positive and negative types of sacrifice, and we're not talking about the animal sacrifice, which should never happen ever. We're talking about things like avoiding and approaching. So there are motives that are more along the lines of like trying to avoid 
something happening or trying to avoid conflict. And then you're like sacrificing by doing that. So for instance, like a denial of personal needs in order to avoid harmful repercussions. I think a lot of sort of people pleasing people tend to do stuff like this for sure. I definitely know that I do. I Whereas a more approach motive is like a sacrifice that's motivated by a desire to obtain positive outcomes. What would be a good example of that? Well, what this makes me think of is, you know, I do think that in relationships, people crave an equal feeling exchange of sacrifice. And often this Mm. is labeled as compromise or as give and take. And, And I don't quite know if that really does it justice. But, you know, it could be something like, I know that my partner's dream is to go to med school. And so I want to help them fulfill their life dream. And so that means that maybe I'm going to take on more time at work so that I can support our family while they're in med school. And that's like, I want to obtain this positive outcome for my partner to be happier, maybe for my family to be happier. And that's like a sacrifice maybe I'm I'm willing to make, which is different from I'm going to deny my personal needs because I'm afraid of the repercussions, which sure. that starts getting into some really tricky, unhelpful and probably unhealthy territory. Right? Yeah, and that that almost seems like a slight mental shift. Like one could still view it from like a an avoidance motive, and then another person could uh, could view it as like approaching. Like I want to be helpful to my partner. Yeah, it could depend on the context. It could be like my partner has threatened to leave me unless I'm like sure decide to support the whole family so they can go to med school. You know, that could yeah, that could flip things on its head. Yeah, yeah. I- I could see even the two of these can go together. I actually think Mm. that's kind of a good example of the partner wants to go to med school, right? This is an expensive thing. It's going to take a ton of their time for several years. That's a pretty big deal, right? That fully avoidance would be the like, well, I might have other things I wanted to do or I didn't want to keep working at this job or I wanted something else, but I'm just going to, I can't bring that up because I don't want to cause conflict. And that's negative. And then on the other hand, there's kind of the, the, I could see the the approach motive one could also be negative too. If it's like, well, I want them to do that, so I'm just going to sacrifice all these things for myself, but I'm also just going to like avoid speaking up when there's things that I need. And maybe the compromise is kind of having some of both of those, right? Of like, I want, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this sacrifice because I want this good for my partner, but also I'm not going to deny my needs entirely and I am going to speak up about, okay, well, can we work together then to find some ways to, you know, have better childcare lined up during this or to get, you know, some some way of financing this in a way that I'm not having to work 70 hours a week and maybe just 50 or, you know, something like that to to kind of work together on both of those at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so essentially all around you can kind of do facilitative behavior so you can be generally helpful to your partner as they work towards achieving goals or completing tasks. What comes to mind is acts of service when we talk about like love language, like that kind of is just something that one could do to be helpful and, and have emotional intelligence regarding that, I think. Yeah. And then their last sort of strategy within this quadrant is what they call dyadic coping. And this is basically as a twosome, as as the twos of you, how do you cope with stressful situations, right? How do you provide support to a distressed or stressed partner 
in a way that you're not absorbing that and then putting that back on them and kind of getting caught in that cycle of giving your upset and distress back and forth to each other, which is a very easy cycle to get into. So for this one, we have an episode uh, 327 that was about compassion fatigue not too long ago that kind of deals a little bit with this and some techniques and some ways to approach that to help keep yourself from kind of taking on all of that while still being there to support your partner. So I just want to point out that none of these threat mitigation strategies that we've talked about, either the individual ones or the interactive ones, have anything to do with the threat of other people. Did some of the things in the study no. talk about that? No? No. No. Oh, that's good. No. Or like in any of the studies, I mean. I mean, I guess you could maybe interpret the the whole you know, downplaying the attractiveness of other people yeah. mm-hmm. as maybe that, yeah, like yeah. that probably touches on that. But I thought it was really interesting, especially with these interactive ones, the things that people do together to mitigate threats in their relationship. It morely, mostly had to do with like internal conduct. Yeah. yeah. Those are the good. real threats to the internal Those are the ones, real threats not the external relationships. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So I do think that is validating because we, yeah, we try to tell people, you know, rather than trying to like build a fortress and build a wall that protects your relationship from threats on the outside, Fortify it from the inside because mm-hmm. that's love actually that. where the threats come from at the end of the day. Totally. Yeah, and I love that it came from this study that didn't have any agenda of being non-monogamous or anything like that. Like, you know, if we had just came to that conclusion, people would go, "Yeah, well, of course they're going to think that." And I think that is really cool and validating that even looking at this study, which didn't have that viewpoint going in, it's like, "Yeah, look, it's right there in the data. Like, these are the things that actually matter, not." those external threats you know Mm -hmm. it's not like let's get together and talk about how you should never spend time with men alone or something like that right no one no one regardless of gender should ever spend time with men alone nobody (laughs) science says it but science (laughs) did turns out in this case science did not say that yeah no so to sum up we have our super fun, pithy tweet for this section on working together to mitigate threats. And that is, be a team when dealing with internal conflict or external stress. Just be a yeah. team. Be a be pal. Be a team. Yeah. Before we go on to the second half of the episode in talking about relationship enhancement, we're going to take a quick break to talk about how you can support this show. Please take a moment to check out our sponsors, check out our Patreon, because it really does help us to keep this content coming to all of y'all out there for free. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on AdamMail.com and Eve'sToys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. 
Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. And we're back. And now we're switching gears to talk about relationship enhancement. So the first quadrant of this is individual, and then we're going to talk about the interactive. So individual, relationship, enhancement, maintenance, strategies. (laughs) Gosh, these titles are so long. Well, okay, but in layman's terms, this is the stuff that you do as an individual, as a person, to help progress the relationship or help it to feel like it is growing and moving forward. Cool. It's enhancing. Enhancing. So the first one here is how you think about the relationship, relationship thinking. It's positive reflections about your partner, about the state of your relationship, or about how your family or social network may feel about your relationship. That's an interesting Mm. one there of it's sort of cultivating more positive expectations, I guess, and positive thoughts about not only the relationship, but also how people important to you are going to perceive it and react to it. And I think that can be an especially tricky one when it comes to people in non-monogamous relationships or queer relationships or something where there might be some more justified fear about that. But as much as you can within reason, cultivating that more positive reflections and positive expectations of those outcomes has been shown to actually be helpful in terms of maintaining and improving and enhancing a relationship. Next one is generosity. And that's basically, it's like little small acts of kindness, right? They say, quote, giving good things to one's spouse by regularly engaging in small acts of kindness. (laughs) And uh, they found in this study that among married partners, generosity is positively associated with commitment religiosity, egalitarian egalitarian Mm -hmm. division of labor, and marital satisfaction. So it's positive for all those things. And then it's negatively associated with marital conflict and perceived divorce likelihood. So basically, people who are more generous are less likely to have marital conflict and less likely to feel like divorce is likely. Right. The religiosity one is, is interesting. Yeah. I don't know if, how they were measuring that, but uh, it sounds like a lot of good things, right? Better, you know, commitment and more egalitarian division of labor, which I thought was a cool one to put in. There. I like that a lot. <laughs> that's, that's great. All right. The next one we're moving on to is gratitude, which is being thankful and expressing appreciation. So expressions of gratitude, they promote romantic relationship quality through increases of awareness of responsiveness to partners' needs. So that's really important to kind of be able to 
see what your partner wants and needs in a given moment and and try to respond to that. That's definitely a nice trait, I think, to have. And building a culture of appreciation. I love that. I think it goes nicely with the previous one about generosity, too. Yeah. It's like being generous, but then also really being appreciative, appreciative. of your partner's generosity, too. Absolutely. And just of your partner in general, I think, yeah, especially when you get into a relationship for a long period of time, it kind of like that appreciation factor maybe doesn't tend to happen as often. And so that's something really important to continue cultivating. This is from one of the studies. So likewise, this is a quote, likewise, active, constructive responsiveness, like expressing gratitude and enthusiasm, is a skill that can be taught to couples and may have efficacy as an intervention. Intervention. Yeah, so that you can actually learn that, that you can Mm. teach that to a couple and that will potentially get them out of more negative trends and start improving their relationship. Or or even teach to individuals, since this is more in the individual side of things. So that's very cool. Yeah, in this context, because Emily, you seemed a little surprised by the use of the word intervention. We're not talking like a drug intervention or anything like that. Like in a therapeutic context, an intervention is is essentially any time it's like, ooh, I'm the couples therapist and I see that there's an unhealthy communication pattern in here. So I'm going to intervene. I'm going to intervene. Got it. Yes. And be like, hey, let's try this. I'm going to teach you this (laughs) tool. Please stop talking and listen to me momentarily. Just stop doing what you're doing and do something better. Intervention is even used not in that, like, I'm going to jump in right in this moment, but like programs that come in to like teach kids in schools resilient skills for Mm. studying and doing their schoolwork is also an intervention. It's kind of any like intentional action that you're taking to try to improve a situation is an intervention in, in like psychology terms. Lovely. Thank you. Learn something new every day. Hopefully I wasn't the only one out there that needed (laughs) an explanation. So all of this is sort of related to the stuff we've talked about before regarding like sharing a partner's joy, really being present with them when they have a victory, just sort of being there for them and understanding, having an overall understanding and a culture of appreciation and their emotional needs. And then your own as well, I think. That's important too. Our last strategy... Our last individual strategy for relationship enhancement, this is a doozy. Let me hit you with this one. This is what they found. Partner-focused prayer. Eh? So, Eh? yeah. So some researchers theorize that partner-focused prayer helps to break those negative thought cycles that we talked about closer to the beginning of the episode. And also, in some studies, they demonstrated a greater willingness to forgive that influence that willingness more so than just thinking positive thoughts about a partner. And now this particular research that it was drawn from, probably pretty obviously, was mostly done with white Christians, you know, the people who pray or who are most likely to pray. (laughs) So, you know, it's not clear of, can we extrapolate anything from this? Can we apply this to people who don't necessarily ascribe to prayer? Uh, And I was wondering, you know, maybe it could be extrapolated, like if it was something like a meta-meditation focused on a partner Mm. or even just like sending really good and hopeful intentions toward your partner or casting some good spells on your partner. Like it's like something that's, that goes beyond just thinking good thoughts about them and more of like wishing good things for them or wishing for them to have a better time or an easier time doing that on this kind of internal individual basis that maybe would also help with, with relationship maintenance over time. 
Mm. I, I do think there's something there to the idea of like, because in this case, they compared it to just positive thoughts about a partner that that this partner-focused prayer gave a greater willingness to forgive. And I could see something like a metta meditation or some other kind of like visualization exercise like that might be more helpful than positive thoughts. Because I would bet in this study, it was just that kind of, you know, think about some good things about your partner. Imagine them mm-hmm. being great versus prayer where I feel like people tend to kind of get a little out of their own way in that case, in a way that you don't, if it's just like, oh, I'm going to think some positive things that can still be kind of self-focused. Interesting. Versus prayer, which is kind of this, like, I'm letting go of this a little bit. I feel like I may be getting some outside support, perhaps, in a way. And so I could see something that's a little more structured as a way of kind of looking at the bigger picture around things and cultivating love and care for that partner rather than just like thinking about how nice their triceps look or something. Their triceps. So it came to mind. <laughs> well, so so this is my tweetable takeaway. This is my summation of of all you know all these individual relationship enhancement strategies, which is just give kindness, gratitude, and powerful magics to your partner. However magics. powerful magics are defined for you, you know, <laughs> if that's prayer, if that's meditation, if that's visualization, if that is casting a really nice spell, then yes, I think you should do that. There are some times where I ask Jace to cast spells on me. I put oh, a yeah. spell on you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Exactly. There you go. Love it. No, really, though, sing, like, there he are sings some at days, you. No, there are some days where I come in and I'm like really stressed or I can't get my brain out of work mode or or something and I'll like ask Jace, like, can you cast a spell on me to help me get out of work mode? And he will commit to the bit, let me tell you. He is a powerful spell caster. Oh. And, yeah. Yeah. Very I don't know. There's, some, there's there's something really nice about it. Just That's doing silly that little and bit of lovely. like silly, silly ritual together that actually feels really good. But I kinda like this idea of a being like my own internal like secret spell casting that I do for my mm. partners mm. on a day to day basis. Yeah. I think again it's that it's that you're doing something that kind of takes you out of just yourself. It's not that just like, hey, don't stress. Hey, be it's okay. Hey, you're okay. It's kinda it almost kind of doing a little ritual, even if it's a jokey, silly one like we do, still kind of gets you a little bit out of that very That's great. like stress focused way of thinking. Mm. Okay. Are we ready for the final quadrant? Yes. The final quadrant. This is Interactive relationship enhancement maintenance strategies. So in other words, <laughs> the things that you and your partner can do together to enhance the relationship. And so the first of these is communicative relationship maintenance strategies, which are things like having positive interaction patterns, like having just more positive interactions, basically. It's openness, you know, being willing to be vulnerable, share about yourself and assurances that the relationship has a future. It's things like sharing tasks and engaging together in social networks. And I don't know if they meant like just your circle of friends or if they meant literally like social networks online. They, mm-hmm. they no definitely did not mean social networks online. Okay, <laughs> they definitely okay, meant okay. you know you and your partner together and shared friends engaging and with shared friends and family yeah. and your circle. Okay. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. They also put into this category 
relationship talks about the state of the relationship. So basically, radar. Am I right? Absolutely. Basically, what these researchers said was you should be doing multi-amory's relationship radar regularly. Mm -hmm. There it is. Science. There it is. And they somehow knew that in 2017 before we even created radar. Now I think they they found it. It was not created yet. It was Scrum then, probably. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It was in its infancy. Okay. They knew. But they saw it coming. They were like, Definitely. I know this will happen. Just trust us. Do and it. indeed it did. No, but, but yeah, so, so <laughs> maintenance, so communication maintenance in terms of having more positive, more open communication with each other, and then also just communicating more completely about the state of the relationship. And then the next one is social support and responsiveness to partners' concerns, needs, desires, etc. So this kind of goes back a little bit to some things we talked about in the individual relationship enhancement stuff of just kind of things like appreciation or being helpful to a partner. But this also kind of emphasized this in the together section as well of, you know, how can we be responsive to concerns, needs, desires? Probably talking about them at a radar would help with that too, to really... <laughs> be aware of those things. And this also creates an emotional bond of showing appreciation for your partner's personal qualities. It's matching emotions with them, you know, like re- responding to their emotions and being there with them and understanding both verbal and nonverbal communication. Again, just go back a couple episodes to look at nonverbal communication. And then also episode 216 on emotional support. Hmm. Also, something that you two just talked about is humor. So it can be used to cope with stressful situations and maintain your relationship. Humor's great. I mean, I feel like that's a trait that so many people out there want in a partner. I want someone that makes me laugh. And, you know, it's true. Although humor, just so we talk about this as well, although humor is correlated with playfulness, positive emotional satisfaction, relationship satisfaction, and quality and closeness, also things like problem resolution, there is potentially a negative effect if it's used to ridicule partners. That I do see from time to time, and it can be pretty cringeworthy from the outside. Even, you know, those jibs and jabs, they happen, but if it's really putting another person down, then that's not a good thing. Yeah. Also, joint leisure activities. So, These activities that we're talking about in terms of joint leisure activities, they need to include really high levels of interaction, not necessarily just like sitting on a couch passively and watching TV, which we all love to do, but maybe something like going on a hike or going on a trip or doing something unique and special with the other person. This is from another quote from one of the studies. Compared to quantity, the quality of time spent in joint leisure activities is more strongly associated with marital satisfaction. That makes a lot of sense. We talk about those new things that partners have to do as well. Yeah, this reminds me of some conversations we've had before about that idea of a lot of times people, particularly when opening up a relationship, will really struggle with feeling like I'm not getting enough quality time with my partner now Mm. or not enough with the new partner or whatever it is. And that changing that focus from an amount of time to the quality of time can make a really big difference and and help get you more focused on what is it that I actually do want from this? What do I really need 
from these interactions for me to feel really good. And maybe it is totally changing up what kinds of things you do together or just occasionally doing more novel new things instead of Mm -hmm. just doing the same thing every week or something like that. So I love that this one's in here and that that high levels of interaction I do think is really key to this. So our pithy takeaway from interactive relationship enhancement maintenance strategies is (laughs) check in with your partner and have some fun. Yay. Yay. Yeah. And these are all so short. We've saved so much room for hashtags galore, maybe some emoji. (laughs) There's just a lot you can add to these. All right. So let's recap. These are our, our four main, very short, tweetable takeaways. Number one, for individual threat mitigation, think good thoughts about your partner. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Second one, which is from interactive threat mitigation, Be a team when dealing with internal conflict or external stress. The third one is from individual relationship enhancement, which is give kindness, gratitude, and powerful magics to your partner. And then number four is the interactive relationship enhancement, which is check in with your partner and have fun. Have some freaking fun. I'd added an extra word, a few more characters, but don't worry, you still have plenty of room for hashtags. (laughs) Well, tweet away. Add all the emojis that you want. It's going to be great. This study actually had so much more information. Of course, they're calling information from over a thousand studies. So there's just so, so, so much more that we could be talking about. So some of it is going into our bonus episode. So in our bonus episode, we're going to be talking about what this uh, review found about maintenance strategies for marginalized relationships, as well as long-distance relationships. And then we'll also be spending a little bit of time about maintenance strategies for non-monogamous relationships in particular. This week, we want to know, what does relationship maintenance mean to you? We're going to be posting that question on our Instagram story, so be sure to go and check that out. The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. The researcher for this episode is Dr. Kiana Nurse. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.